Good afternoon, lovely listener. It's another wonderful Sunday, and I'm so glad you're joining me. I'm not alone. In fact, this is a conversation with a local hero, some might say. He might not say, but I say. Oh, I, no, I say that. I oh, say, yeah. I say that all the time. Right on. Travis Bufkin. You know, I love your last name, dude. It Thanks. makes me think of a strong brother. Yeah. You know? Which, yeah, I'm neither of those things. Oh, and, come on. Uh, you know, but, uh, a kid. I am a brother. I yeah. was thinking, you know, in African American vernacular. Gotcha. Brother. Do you have a, so you got a lot of siblings? I have one. Nice. Just a brother? A sister. Huh. But I'm her brother. Yeah. I'm still a brother. Exactly. Despite her. Yeah. <laughs> Are you the oldest? I am. Congrats. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I don't know a lot about you, Travis, so I'm stoked to be talking with you. Yeah. And I'm curious how long you've been in San Antonio. I've, I love watching you perform. I think you're an excellent musician, and I love your music. And I love also how much San Antonio has sort of stoked my own appreciation for honky-tonk music and just country music in general, you know? Mm-hmm. And I'm curious how long you've been making music... How long you been in San Antonio? And I, I moved to San Antonio from the Carolinas when I was five. Oh, cool. Uh, with my mom. My parents got divorced, and so we moved. She's from San Antonio. Okay. So we moved back here. And then uh, my dad is a Carolina boy. and um, North or south? South. Yeehaw. And uh, so... I feel, I mean, I moved back here with an accent and, you know, all that stuff. Probably a rat tail, you know. And, <laughs> um, but it's somewhat gone, I think. But uh, that's how I came. And then I've been here ever since. I lived in Austin for a couple years, uh-huh. you know, and uh, that cured my wanderlust. And then, yeah. It's nice and that Austin here. is so close yeah. and such a, like... I don't know. It seems like a mecca of culture in a lot of ways, especially more in the artistic scene and whatnot. And totally. so it does kind of t- scratch that wanderlust itch, I feel, for a lot of South Texas folks. I think so. It's yeah. like, just move to Austin for a year, you right, know? Or right, I just right. know a lot of people here that have spent some time living there and they're like, all right, I got my fill. Mm-hmm. I'll go back to San Antonio where life is a little more, I don't know, it feels more down to earth here or just kind of more slow a little. Yeah. But it's speeding up, I feel, pretty quickly. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah, it's hard. I, I don't really know either because I've only been here for four years now. Oh, so, okay. Since 2018. And I was first, when I first moved here, I was like working in Bernie. Mm-hmm. And so I was spending time, I got to meet people in Southtown and stuff because that was the first place I went to like hang out and meet strangers. Mm-hmm. And I fortunately was able to connect with people really quickly and find great friends yeah i've heard that san antonians are generally pretty polite it's the friendliest big city i've ever lived in that's what i hear yeah which i really appreciate because and it's also the most diverse as far like the most Mm -hmm. while being the friendliest it's also the most diverse oh yes i see yeah yeah what's uh what's the furthest away you've ever been uh just to hang out just yeah just traveling Maybe France. Oh, cool. I think so. I haven't been to France yet. 
but I went to France and Epcot when I was 13. You ever been to Disney World? I have. I've been to the, the land and the world. Whoa. Cali and Florida. Nice. Yeah. I I don't remember my time in the land, but the world made me want to take French in high school. Sweet. But I still haven't been to France, and I don't remember any French. It's except there. Je suis désolé. You are sorry. Yeah. I try to learn that as, in as many languages as possible. That's a good idea. Also, depending on the... Um, Severity of the grievance, right? You could just say pardon, pa- right? Because that's like, oh, just excuse yeah. me. But if you say je suis désolé, that's it's like more I'm serious. very sorry. Listen, yeah. you gotta know. Yeah, which might turn people <laughs> off even more because they're like, why is this dude begging my forgiveness? You yeah, know? in France they might be a but little who cares? more. Yeah, I'm American. Yeah, you know. You know. <laughs> sorry. Visit, visit <laughs> mm-hmm. Do you speak French? No, no. Just enough you can to, get by. to do this. Yeah. 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 Um, I've been trying to learn it. Right on. You got so, Duolingo? That's how. Yeah. Uh, nice. Which I don't recommend okay. unless you want to learn to read it. But it's been good oh. for my reading, uh, you know, um, deciphering things through reading, whatever. Yeah. Man, that's cool. I like talking to people about where they've traveled and stuff because I feel that traveling is the best way to learn as an individual, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, college is great and everything. Mm-hmm. I never went to college yet. Do you have I a library something. card? I do have a library card. so That's all you need. Yeah. And YouTube. Yeah. So it's like Absolutely. the whole university online and in the Absolutely, library. yeah. For free. Yeah. During, right. At the beginning part of COVID, I was signing up because I was getting my teaching certification. And I was like, oh, I wonder cool. how tough it would be to just go get a uh, master's real quick. Yeah. And I looked online and I got distracted by like a... UNC program for um, I was gonna do like choir directing. Oh, cool! And it was totally free. It was just online. I wasn't gonna get any credit, you know. Obviously, right. but I would have had the knowledge and I would have bragged yeah, about it on been a resume. Added to a resume, yeah. Yeah, I didn't end up doing it, but um, that's alright. But the fact that it was there was it's you know, cool. Yeah. And so did did you go to school at all? I did. I like college. Yeah. I did. I went to UTSA. Uh, I wasn't going to go to school. I was going to hop trains. And then, ah, you know. A little crust punk. Kind of. Yeah. And, um, yeah. And then I fell in love. And, you know, as much as an 18-year-old does. And so I didn't. And I was like, well, shoot, I guess I'll deliver pizza and go to UTSA. And I did for a couple years. And then I didn't know what I wanted to do. And my mom was yeah. very supportive. She was like, if you don't know what you want to do, man, don't. Don't do it. That's cool. Which was very cool. Yeah. And um, so I didn't. So then I moved to Austin. Oh, nice. The buddy of mine. And we played around for a little while. Music, you know. And uh, and that's yeah. kind of what got you more. Like, when did you start performing music? Live when I was 15. Oh, nice. I had a punk band called The Syndicate. Ah. That uh, was probably the most famous I've ever been. <laughs> and... Uh, um, I think it was a good band. I, I mean, I don't know. I wouldn't ever no, listen I'm to sure. it now, you know. But uh, yeah, that's cool. And so we would play out and organize shows out at Orsinger Park. Okay. I don't know if you know where that is, but uh, with our friends, which was very DIY, which felt we didn't realize at the time, which is funny, the things that you 
respect about your former self, you know? Yeah. Or at the time, we were like, yeah, no, well, what do we have to do? We can't play the white rabbit, so let's just, you know. Right. Let's get our friends out here and act real cool that's, on top of these picnic tables. That's super fun. When I was mm-hmm. in high school, I lived in Oskaloosa, where this radio show still is, and there's a little town that's sort of like a suburb, but it, it feels like you're still in Oskaloosa, but it's called University Park. And they have this little community center that's like maybe like the size of two of these rooms, two Mm -hmm. or three of these rooms. And a bunch of my buddies were in like super into pop punk. And I started a band first called Me and Montauk. And then we changed the name to Easy on the Eyes. And it was... How did you spell eyes? uh, Just like eyes. E-Y-E-S. Yeah. Because I had not heard that term before, and mm-hmm. my buddy Kyle said it one time because we saw a pretty girl. I was like, whoa, dude. And he said, she's easy on We should make our band that name. <laughs> like, that's a fun phrase. Yeah. And we had such a blast, but we got a bunch of like random pop punk bands. We'd catch them while they were on tour and get them to come, and it was yeah, all very DIY that to way. Jump to, you know, yeah. Yeah, like between cities and stuff. Yeah. And... It was it was so fun and looking back and thinking about that it feels similar to what you're saying where right it's just like a bunch of kids getting yeah. together to play music yeah you know and yeah absolutely. have a show but it's so funny because this town is like it's just it's like population thirteen thousand I think mm-hmm. or maybe a little smaller than that yeah but not a lot going on now mm-hmm. thankfully my buddy Kyle is actually still there and they've got the art center downtown like right in this little alley. And so there's actually like a more legitimate venue there for if they want to do shows and stuff. Sweet. So probably because of you guys. Yeah. You the know. founders, right? Yeah, they just, you know. <laughs> well, that's the thing too. It's there is like a music culture there, mm-hmm. but it's more band like high school band. Yeah. You know, and yeah. like competitive bands like that. Mm-hmm. Oh, then, I see like marching bands and things. Yeah. Gotcha. And then there was like uh Barnhouse Music, mm-hmm. which is like a sheet music production company. But oh, okay. we didn't seem to hear about it much or like know that much about it. And it was seemed, I don't know, more professional kind of like classical type music. Stuff. Right on. But that's, that's fun that you were doing that. Yeah. Do you, when, uh, were you always more like drawn to honky tonk style or did, was that something that came a little later, you feel? Um, no, I mean, I, that was like what I must have first heard, you know, in South Carolina where I was born and Charlotte where we moved for a couple of years. Um, I mean, that was definitely what I heard, you know, all over the place, 80s country. And, um, then of course, you know, I, I listened to what my mom listened to, which was like 80s country and like Magic 105.3, which was kind of the top 40 triple a adult you know album alternative or whatever um stuff you know like tracy chapman um yeah like maybe some like softer lenny kravitz eric clapton you know that kind of yeah q101.9 stuff now i think or khl 104.9 which is that's where it's at that's a dream one yeah that's it's really good stuff 104.9 in Iowa, San Antonio. Oh, is yeah. our sister station KBOE, which is there you go. your hot country connection. Nice. Yeah. Those are good call letters or numbers. Yeah. You know, 104.9. 104.9. And then 
this station. Oh, 1049 here is KKYX. Oh. KHL is 107.9. It's like yeah, good the, last, the last. The last. Still good numbers, though. Yeah. Well, that's where my dial is set, you know. Right. So I, know <laughs> I, d- I have not listened to the radio in San Antonio as much as I should being a man that's on the radio. Because no, don't worry about it. You're good. Yeah, it's, thanks. <laughs> I mean, cue into those, you know, to right? One hundred four nine and one hundred seven nine, and then that's all you need. That's right. And it. I like the classical station. Yeah, and I like uh, I like Trinity's mm-hmm. jazz station oh, yeah, for and stuff. Sure. Mm-hmm. That's ninety one point seven. Yeah, which will mean nothing to Iowans. Yeah, all these Iowans are like, am I on ninety nine point five or not? Because <laughs> yeah. this is ninety nine point five FM or seven forty AM. Oh, right on. And we got one more that is because the signal was pretty weak for a while, but we've expanded to Sigourney, which is just a town a little ways away from Oskaloosa. Have you ever been to Iowa? I don't think so. Oh, man. We got to get you up there, Travis. You'd love it. Yeah. Des Moines is actually a super cool city. I believe it. It's a very... Have you been to Kansas City? Kansas or Missouri? Uh... I don't think I've been to either. Either or, I guess, yeah. I, there's a lot in the middle that I yeah. have driven through, or you know, which I don't think counts. So yeah, I don't know. If you don't get to spend time there, it's kind of right. Tricky. It's like an airport. You know, I've been to the yeah, Vegas flying airport. Oh yeah, and I haven't been to Vegas. Oh really? Well, except the airport. Right. I don't think you get to count that. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. I've been to the Reykjavik, Iceland airport. Mm-hmm. But hopping over to to England, yeah, yeah. But I had, yeah, I smoked a cigarette outside with some Frenchmen. Right on. But I didn't get to. Explore. That sounds like a French thing to do. Yeah, it was nice. They were really nice guys. I but I was like, man, I wish I had a day or something that I could at least leave the airport. Right. Yes. And go absolutely. explore, you know. But we got to do that in Philly, which was very cool. Oh yeah. I went to Philly once, and I tried to get a meal that was like, uh, you know, something local. Mm-hmm. And I got SOS. You know what that is? I don't. Shit on a shingle. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's the, like... Uh, it's like four pieces of toast Yeah. with corned beef hash just poured on it or uh-huh. something. Was it good? It wasn't great, yeah. but uh-huh. it was all right. I, <laughs> My buddy got a burger, and I was like, man, I wish, wish I would have got that. But... They- they had uh, really a really great book selection where I oh, was in Philadelphia. I was I, I can't remember what I was. It's like this indoor market. It's very famous. Anybody that's been to Philadelphia that doesn't have my memory would probably be able to recall it. But um, they had great books. Like they had like book a bunch. Thing. Well, they had a lot of uh, like Afrocentric books. Oh, okay. Which was really cool. Um, I really like Malcolm X. You know. Yeah. Uh, I, think he's a very inspiring person and so they had a lot of great books on malcolm x oh that's cool so i was like geez louise i gotta get that i have met a lot of great people from philly i believe it yeah i, I don't know if i'd like to live there well i mean i'd like to live anywhere really but like the east coast i like how close everything is or mm-hmm. like how there's so many metropolises that you can just hop around you know yeah but i do like the extra space you get in texas it's nice. You do get that. And I'm I used to live in Colorado. That's like where my childhood was. My first Do you say Colorado years. because you lived in Colorado or because you lived in Iowa? I cuz I lived in Colorado. Okay. Yeah, they say rad. Right on. It's rad, dude. I believe that. But 
I've never had people even mention the pronunciation until I moved to Texas. Well, that's because they're being polite, I guess. Not that I, it's inherently bad. I just Right. No, yeah. But I guess, and I think just in Texas, it's more common to say Colorado. Uh-huh. And I didn't even realize that, you know? Yeah. But there's so many people in Texas that are crazy about Colorado or go up there all the time. Yeah. And... Texas is also so broad. You can find, you can hear all kinds of right. accents and dialects, and you know, which is one of my favorite things. I like I, it too. I really like living somewhere where the potential for meeting someone from a different mm-hmm. state or even country mm-hmm. is pretty high. You know, like yeah. on a daily basis, if you want. Yeah, absolutely. I've been collecting French friends actually. Oh, cool! That just are here. Yeah. Yeah. Man, they're where? all brilliant. Like two of them are. Three of they're all academics. They're all like doctors. They oh, literally wow. have their doctorate, which is just a coincidence. I yeah. mean, that's also that's why they get to be here. You know, it's because they're brilliant for sure. But uh, yeah, it just so happens that they're all. How long were you in France when you went? Two weeks. Oh, okay. Yeah, we were staying at a friend's chateau, Ooh, nice. which was out in the middle of nowhere. So I didn't really get a French experience in terms of being in a, a like urban a city area or something. Yeah, we had a couple nights in Paris. Yeah, and we sent the kids to. Disney World. Do you Paris. have kids? I do. I have two. Oh my gosh, dude. I had no idea. Uh, yeah. That's awesome. How old are your kids? Uh, my son is five and my daughter's 20. Whoa. Yeah. Travis, how old are you? I'm 35. Wow, man. You yeah. became a dad when you were 15? I didn't. I. No. You married? I, I got married. Uh, I met my daughter. I call her my daughter. She's technically my stepdaughter. Okay, but, gotcha. But um, uh, when she was eight. Oh, so. cool. Wow. Yeah. Man. And so how long have you been married now? I will be married 10 years on 10, 11, 22. Because we got married on 10, 11, 12. Nice. Yes. Good job. Well, that we were like, if we wait till midnight, we can get married at 10, 11, 12. And <laughs> I will never forget it. That's so cool. And so we waited. So wait, with like the actual ceremony? Yeah, like it was post-ball? in a bar. It was a ceremony in a bar. Oh, congrats. So was, uh, that's cool. That's yeah, very cool. honky-tonk of you. I, that's true. That's true. <laughs> I, I didn't think about the honky-tonk yeah. points I could get if I talked about it more. So your record that you've put out, I can't remember when it came out exactly, but it's Saturday night, Sunday one. morning, uh-huh. right? That was 2018. Right. I love the Rolling Hard song, Rolling Too Hard. Oh, cool. It's like an anthem for paraplegics, man. That's why I wrote Anybody it. in a wheelchair, right? <laughs> That's why I did it. You know? yeah. You're welcome. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. For the, on behalf of the whole paralyzed community. Absolutely. <laughs> de, de Leon. Oh. You would say merci. Of right. Course, I say de Leon. Merci. Wait, why Why the difference? Wait, because Darion is you're welcome. Yeah. Right, 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 right. Yes. I My high school teacher would be ashamed. Mrs. Brem, I'm sorry. <laughs> My high school teacher wouldn't give a shit because she's taught Spanish, you know, so she'd be like, <laughs> yeah. and I was not a should've good learned, student. You should have learned Spanish anyway. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. She's like, oh, you still haven't learned Spanish. Way to go. I live in San Antonio, Texas. Sorry, I'm a Frenchman. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I've spent time at the show Chateau, Senorita. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, there is something really romantic about France and very, like... We project that onto them, don't we? But I think they like it. Yeah. They like that. They would probably say that they're a romantic people, I guess. Yeah, and I feel like... Like I was talking to my friend Rupa, who's from Australia, and she is living in Spain right now, 
volunteering at a hostel on the Camino, that trail that all the pilgrims walk, you know? And she was just talking about the, like, because we were talking about it. She's never been to the States. And she said she doesn't really have a huge desire to come here necessarily. But just the way that we've got so much, like so many of our businesses have more than one thing going on. You know, like it'll be a restaurant and a store. Or, okay. I was telling her about I Cracker was, Barrel. Uh, what immediately never, came to my mind was Taco Bell KFC. <laughs> right, like the combo fast yeah. food. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But Mecca, which is like our Mecca. Yeah, it's the temple. No, the temple. That's right. That's church, actually. Now that I don't go to church, I just I don't need to. Just go to Taco Bell KFC every Sunday. I go to one, you know, three different denominations. It's same same God. Oh, that's funny. It's the same Frito Lay's God. Oh man, but yeah, she was just like, and I because she had been she spent time in France and saying like there it's very minimal, you know, like. A business does one thing, oh, like a I cafe see. or something, you know, and they know what they're there for, and that's mm-hmm. it. And if you want to get something at a different store, you go to the different store. Sure. Yeah. Whereas we get... But we want it all, baby. We want Bucky's, yeah. And clean <laughs> restaurants. Right. You know? Yeah. Bucky's, man. What a place. I've been yeah, inside only one time. Because it's kind of overwhelming. It is. You know? And usually if I'm going to a gas station... I like to just call and see if somebody can come fill up my car for me. Because then I don't have to put the chair together, you know, it's a little... Absolutely, yeah. Not tempted to buy anything inside. Yes. Yeah. And Bucky's, you can spend so much money in there. Sure. Just because the of the variety of yeah, yeah. wares. Yes. See, I, the other day, I don't know how I know this, I heard, I want to say they have like 120 soda flavors. Jeez, maybe I'm half off. Like maybe I'm exaggerating by two hundred percent. But that Even means they still. have sixty something flavors of soda, <laughs> and which that's more than you again, need. Again, a temple. Yeah. <laughs> like of capitalism, maybe. Yeah. 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 <laughs> oh, so that's yeah. I would love to talk to you about what your experience of uh, religion and and things like that have been because I find. Here in Texas, especially, there is such a, I don't know, there's a wide variety of belief systems in all of the metropolis areas, it mm-hmm, seems. Mm-hmm. And then as you get further out in the country, it's like Catholic or Christian, you know, like Catholic or Protestant, it seems. Right, right, right. And granted, I'm sure there's small town mosques and things like that still, but not to the degree that they're like... Sure. And that's all of America, too. Just the amount of churches mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. wild. They're shrinking. Right. Churches are... They're getting a lot... Going the way of the dodo. The dodo. <laughs> no pun intended. Right. No, that's a... It's true, because I think a lot of people are have gotten pretty fed up with just... Maybe. Religion in general, and then with... I don't know, with especially here in America, like it feels the... There's just been so much corruption in the government, for sure, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then like in any system of power, right? You right, know? right. Yeah, and it's getting to the point where people are like, "Okay, I can't really deny that this is happening anymore," and sure. so I'm just oh, gonna right, right, back right. off. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you're right. Were you Were you raised going to church? I was. Um, 
I was raised Lutheran. Oh, okay. And so when we moved back here, we lived with my grandparents for a little while. And I was telling you, my grandmother was the organist yeah. at Zion Lutheran Church on Cincinnati. And uh, I would, my grandpa would take me upstairs to ring the bell. Oh, fuck. And the bell, you know, like, picks you up off the ground. Yeah. It's, it's, there's a great metaphor there for religion, you know. Yes. Yeah. And it's good aspects, I guess. Uh-huh. And uh, so I would go ring the bell, and, you know, that was, I mean, I still remember it was great. And then I'd go sit up by my grandmother while she would play, you know, and play And was it a feet. pipe organ? It was pipe organ. Nice. And she'd play with her feet as well, she, you know. And, uh, and that was incredible, too. And... So and that was a very austere, sort of, um, um, what's the word? Uh, service. Uh. You know, it would be very, you know, uh, I can't remember the name of the hymnal, but you know, it's just like the Lutheran hymnal or something like that. Yeah. So all these, you know, a mighty fortress is our God. You know, uh, right. uh, let us break bread together on our knees during communion and these things. Um, Pretty structured service. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. is it where you, like, is a repetition from the crowd? Like, does the pastor say something and then the crowd yeah, a lot responds? Of that, a lot of, stuff yeah, like uh-huh, that? uh-huh. And, uh, and then my mom, when we moved into our house, she found her own church, St. Andrew Lutheran on Hebner, mm. uh, which the uh, congregation skews uh, more wealthy. You know, because uh-huh. um, it's over. Like, I mean, they Ronald Reagan High School, George Bush Middle School. You know, wow, um, Chavano area. Okay, uh, yeah, kind of, sort of Alamo Heights, but a little north out or north. north of that. Yeah, uh, gotcha. Alamo Heights folks would be very insulted. Oh, would they? Just said that. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I'm just East Terrell Hills trash. <laughs> they, they, would, they would probably say Chavano's new money. You know, in Alamo Heights. Oh, well. gotcha, gotcha, yeah. But uh, I, it's been so interesting learning about all of that here in San Antonio because, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I don't know. It's just it's such a huge city, and yeah. it's but it's so old, right? And so to see just all the different mm-hmm. areas and whatnot, and then I get kind of the distaste of the new money because it does seem like as it's getting bigger and bigger and bigger, it's just like man, why well, do we it's need like, all this? The French, old money, who have their simple, single-use business, right. and then new money is like let's let's you know let's, let's make, centipede uh, Taco Bell KFC, yeah, yeah. whatever the other one was A and W. Let's appeal A and W Long John Silver's. Oh yeah, you know that's the like Methodist, <laughs> you know, with the denominations. The other one I guess right. would be what would the KFC Taco Bell? Um, not Baptist. No. No. Maybe, Probably like maybe Pentecostal. <laughs> maybe, maybe whatever Joel Osteen is. That's what okay. That, you know, it's uh, what do they call that kind of preaching? Prosperity. Like, gospel. Prosperity gospel. Yes. We've got it all. Yeah, and that's because we're good. Yeah. <laughs> God is blessing us because we're good, Ugh. and we'll continue to be. Yeah. Good. That's a. That's a. You know. Slippery slope. <laughs> yes, it's that. That's one way to put it. Man. Yeah, I, I really like, because I've seen some, I've been to this church in Denver called the Potter's House, Mm -hmm. which some would say is in that same vein of prosperity gospel, but the difference is it's a primarily black church, Mm -hmm. 
And so it's like very gospel mm-hmm. oriented and music oriented. Mm-hmm. And I love going. It's like it's a treat every time bet, I've been. Yeah. Yeah. Because everybody's so nice and it is just this huge production. But the choir is massive, you know. And they'll spend more time singing than actually listening to preaching. Mm-hmm. Which I prefer a lot of times. Because sure. I think it's just... Whether it's a concert, like a regular concert, or a concert at a bar, or worship at a church, I think there's something supernatural about music mm-hmm. that connects humanity to the divine, if you will. Sure. And so I, I love when it's like mm-hmm. a big production. I get. I don't, I'm not crazy about like the whole like concert at church thing, uh-huh. you know, where like. You feel like you're going into the and the lights are insane, or, uh-huh. you know, like mega churches and stuff. Yeah, I prefer smaller stuff, more intimate. But I can I I see the appeal of it in the same way of like just music in general mm-hmm. and the fun mm-hmm. of like just a concert, sure. you know, singing together and community and right, yeah, ritual, right, yeah, absolutely. So when uh, when did you sort of depart from the church? Oh, uh, I was 15. So, yeah. So I went to my grandparents' church and my mom. It was the punk music, huh? Well, I traded one thing for the other. But it it, it, it satisfied the same impulse, you know? Um, Gave you a community still. It did. And so I grew up in this very, I think, waspy environment where my family wasn't very vocal about emotions or... um, personal thing we didn't talk politics we didn't talk religion Hmm. but when you don't do those things of course those are just uh, they're still learned you know right just because they're not addressed you know Um, this is the kind of thing I think when people talk about like institutional racism Hmm. uh, or systemic racism and people are like I don't know what you're talking about you know right because it's not spoken yeah it's just kind of like a just underlined thing that people are unaware of in a lot of ways when you clutch your purse when you see a certain person walk by and your children watch you and they pick up on that body language, that's what that, that is, yeah. you know? Um, and so uh, I went to the this church that was very, I, don't, I wouldn't use the word liberal, but like, um, you know, it was Lutheran. So they're not trying to cram it down your throat, but yeah. they're, all, they're not, you know, they're not kissing snakes or anything like that. But um, I was drawn towards that. And so I got with some friends of mine, actually, who went to non-denominational churches where they spoke in tongues and prophesied and these things. Uh-huh. Um, I got into that because I was like, this is really living, man. You know, this is what's up. This, yeah. is, this is, we're breaking down these, you know, walls and these things, These uh, the dynamic of my family, which was very like, we just don't. In some ways, they're wild, but in other ways, they're very reserved. You know, my grandparents are, like, German, you know. My grandpa's dad was from Germany, and so very strict, you know. Um, Yeah. And uh, so they just very rarely let their hair down, as far as I could tell. Uh And um, so church going to... So I did that, you know, until I was about 13, and then I started hanging out with these people that went to more... Uh, exciting church and so I went with them for a little like while like with drums and electric guitar yeah and, and the like 
jumping around and seizing and you yeah. know, speaking in tongues and stuff like that. And I thought that's what that's where it was at. And then uh, um, and then something happened at my church actually. So I was very on fire for the Lord, you uh-huh. know, for a little while. And uh, and was very interested in converting people. Ooh, yeah. You know, thirteen year old. Um, have you so... ever seen Marjo? No. Uh, it it's might be worth watching. It's about a young, uh, like, six, seven-year-old kid that maybe even younger that um, he does it all the way up to his, who, you know, evangelizes. Was he like a televangelist? Is yeah. it a documentary? Yes. Okay, yes. And his I folks did watch this. taught him how. Yeah. It was a lot like Jared's uh, conversation. Yeah. Where, where the folks were obviously, it was a graft, you know. Right. Like a graft, I should say, a graft. Instilling right. it in him or teaching him the sort of, yeah, it was like, yeah. car- like carnival work. Right, exactly. Yeah. And I don't think they were, I don't know how um, specific or, you know, they were behind closed doors with him. Like, look, man, this is, sure, maybe God's real, whatever, but we're making money. This is yeah, job, it was much know? more of like a business. Yeah. And um, but I think it was probably more like what we were talking about, where they just didn't talk about it, they didn't yeah. address it, you know, they didn't name it or whatever, but they just behaved, behaved it or whatever. But um, so I got into that, and then at my church, they kicked the youth director out. <sighs> I don't know why. And um, <clears throat> so you can yawn; you don't have to feel. Oh no, I wasn't yawning. Stifling the yawn. I've just got, I'm just stuffed up. But uh. They kicked him out, and I don't know why. And the parents had a meeting about it, and all these things. And the kids came, and you know, it was we put on a show, and you know, in terms of like, it was very. And this was at the Lutheran Church, still. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It was, you know, this very like lacrimose show of emotion where we're like, you know, Glenn. I won't say his full name, but his name is Glenn. Glenn is our hero. You know, what are you guys doing? Like, can't you see that you're. You know, it's affecting us. Isn't that most the most important thing? Yeah. And for whatever reason, uh, they kicked him out. And of course, now that I'm an adult, I realize like who knows what it could have been. He very well may have needed to go. Right. But at the time, that was just the perfect catalyst for me to be like, I'm not really feeling this organized religion thing anymore. Uh-huh. You know. And so I got out of that. And then, so was that. When you moved to the more non-denominational stuff, or was that when it was? No, kind that of like, was already okay. Pretty. Uh, oh, oh, yes. I'm sorry. Yes, I see. Uh, a little bit before that. Okay. A little. That was when I stopped. Like I was like, this is all. BS. Like when the when the the youth pastor that, got let go, that was kind of your final straw. It was just a catalyst. Yeah, right. I had already been having thoughts. I mean, I'd been introduced to punk rock and stuff, so I'd been introduced to these. Um, alternative ways of thinking or ideas or peripheral marginalized ideas uh and so that's something i was getting more growing more skeptical interesting to think too of the way because there's such a huge um i don't necessarily want to call it industry but like ministry in particular Mm -hmm. towards the young you know and like youth conferences and things like this oh you know why well well yeah you get them Hooked early, man. Sure. And also, of course, there's that plausible deniability because you say, well, I, we want to teach our children how to be and right. how to live happy lives, which I totally understand. It's, yeah, you know, it's kind of a catch-22. Yeah, it's, but it's interesting to think of, because I was that, very much that way growing up. You know, I was raised in a very Christian home and like 
my mom was in charge of, well, we lived in this really small town and there was a few churches, but like not much of a youth, a place for all the youth, you know? Mm -hmm. And so she would put on like a weekly youth group and she called them her convicts because it was like just all the troubled teens in town basically Mm -hmm. would come and have a place to hang out and we would feed them and sing together and listen to a sermon or something, you know? Mm -hmm. And that was when I was like really little, but hanging out with all these teenagers and being around that and then getting taken to, to different conferences and things like that. Mm -hmm. And looking back, I, I understand where people could view it as like, Oh yeah, you were just being brainwashed, you know? But I do, I do have a really deep appreciation kind of fondness for it because it never was something where I felt like my parents were like shoving it down my throat, you know, but more so presenting me with what they believed and why it's worked for them and made sense for them. Mm -hmm. And then encouraging so much of this idea of like living adventurously and courageously, you know, Mm -hmm. where it wasn't so much about like, we got to get everybody converted right now, but more about like, learn to love your neighbor, you know, absolutely in a very broad sense. And so I really appreciate that ideology that was passed on and whatnot. Sure. Um, But I think so much of the, that like teenage Christianity, when you're feeling so on fire and into it and everything, and then when you're introduced to other ways of thinking or alternative lifestyles, then it starts to feel like religion is just there to tell you all the things you can't do. And it makes you more desirous of like, Oh, I want to drink, you know, or like I want to go to bars and hang out with. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, that's why, you know, a lot of the people that are, you know, committing these mass uh, acts of violence right. are, you know, 18 years old. Yeah. Our brains aren't formed. Yeah. You know, and so I totally understand. I mean, that's when you're, that's when you're angsty mostly, you know, I mean, your hormones, right. your hormones are going crazy. And uh, so I get it, you know, I get it. I don't think anybody's wrong to want to teach their children what they believe. For sure. I think when you, when they become inquisitive though, if you don't inspire, you know, some sort of, uh, criticism or critical thinking in them that can be problematic yeah if you tell them well this is right because i believe it or because i say so obviously you're setting yourself up yeah and if failure or whatever but i think that's something too in the church as a whole has sort of like condemned questioning (laughs) i think they've also condemned human nature to an extent i mean that's oh yeah you know part of the tenets is we're born into sin right you know and so right from the get-go if that's the case from there, you can start to paint in what those sins are, and then you got to be careful because somebody else is telling you what's damning your soul. Right. And so that was also a big catalyst for me was I felt so guilty all the time, uh, yeah. which Jared you know, talked about. I mean, yeah. mine was not as severe as his, but I was doing it to myself. I was you know, policing myself and stuff like that, and I just felt so uh, guilty all the time yeah. for these things. But to be fair, my mom's church wasn't, to my recollection, it wasn't, it didn't harp on that so much. Yeah. But I, I searched, I seeked that out. You know, I wanted something very strict and, mm. you know. Yeah. And there's, I think there's something to, to be said to that of just like the hunger for 
stability and mm. correction even you know when because mm. you can do things and you, it's hard to deny the consciousness you know or like mm-hmm. the just the jiminy cricket that's mm-hmm. like uh mm-hmm. i shouldn't have done that like i know within me that that was yeah not something i should have done you know yeah and so unless you don't know right but or you can you know or if you have a voice inside of your head that precedes that or you know uh, yeah or like some a way to understand grace kind of or like have some grace for yourself you mm-hmm. know yeah because i think I don't, it's interesting to think of how much so many problems seem to be rooted in humanity's ability for self-loathing you know like i feel like some of the most callous or rude people often really hate themselves or like sure. really just living in that mindset of like yes i'm worthless sure and so because of that narcissism it, right yeah it's like it's the and that's like false humility too where people are thinking like if i just think i'm constantly the worst yeah then then i'll be humble but it's like well, you're still thinking about yourself exactly oh, it's yeah. a paradoxical ego trip you know yeah. because it's like well i I don't think I'm better than anybody. In fact, I think I'm worse than other people. Yeah, but you're considering yourself an awful lot, you know. Yeah, right. You're thinking about yourself it's an like, awful lot. Yeah. Um, which is a trap. Exactly. <laughs> you know. Man. But. Yeah, dude. Ah, that's good. Good to speak with a French Texan. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Man. So, you have a son now, five mm-hmm. years old. Yeah. And... I'm curious about how you plan to raise him when it comes to ideas like this, you know, or things like this where... Well, I... With my daughter, we very much embrace the philosophy that you shouldn't tell a lie. Ah, yeah. And now we are very much embracing the philosophy that you should tell a lie (laughs) to your child. Um, So it all depends on the nature of his question or, you know... um, I mean, if he says to me, which he has, you know, what happens after you die? I'll say, I don't know. Yeah. I haven't died yet, you know, that I recall. Uh-huh. I don't know, man. I can't tell you. What do you think? You know? Yeah. And then he'll, he'll say what he thinks or what his grandma has told him recently, you know. Uh-huh. But, uh, but I debate this thing that we're discussing of, you know, at what point are you brainwashing and at what point are you point are you just trying to impart morals or you know ethics or philosophy um but it seems to me that the people who grow up to be the most happy is not the right word but um content or accepting of what is yeah are ones who are given fertile soil to be critical Mm -hmm. and to take a little bit here a little bit here you know, and yeah. sort of compile this piecemeal philosophy or these tenets that they live by. Yeah. Um, which is what I have done. Right. Kind of a hodgepodge. Yeah. You know, nobody, I mean, all, all, everything, of course, is filtered through our own experiences and our own lens and all that stuff. And so, like you were talking about with Jared, um, uh, I just lost my train of thought, but... Um, I don't know. That's okay. I was just going to reiterate the same thing. Yeah. Just in thinking of growing up and raising kids and whatnot. And 
It's wild. I, I've always loved the idea of being a father. I never wanted to be a father. Really? Yeah. Are you glad you are now? Of course. Yeah. It's the, it's the most important thing. Right. You know, it gives you so much freedom, and this is nothing nobody is. That's interesting. I'm, what do you mean? Well, it gives I mean, you so much freedom. Because um, I feel like a lot of people talk about parenthood. It's like, oh, no, absolutely. I there's lost absolutely, all my freedom. No, there's absolutely know? that. There's absolutely that. What was I going to say? It gives you so much freedom. Um, oh, with other things, egoic uh, ah. pursuits, you know, like the like a band. Like, it I'm like makes you know, it easier band. to forget yourself, maybe? Yes. Yeah. Because you're like, you know, well, and also being a good parent hopefully takes precedent over everything else. Right. So you can, which now I fully understand. Uh, well, I don't. I shouldn't say that. But have a deeper understanding of a deeper understanding of a woman's struggle the uh, the women's struggle to like be in the workforce you yeah. know and cuz from a you know a like cursory reading of that as a male you can be like no out here it's rough and i'm speaking of course specifically to like the 60s you know right and like no you don't want no work is slavery y'all like don't you know um <laughs> unless of course you're doing something you love or believe but um now I, I can appreciate that more uh, in terms of... Um, like there's more things your wife wants to do than just be... Well, being pregnant, animal. being impregnated and taking nine months to yourself and stuff is... There's a reason, of course, that women that have a career are always like... You have to pick one or the other often because yeah. a man doesn't have to... And we just have such draconian or non-existent maternal or right. paternal rights but, policies, you know, that... I mean, Germany, they get like three years off to raise wow. your child. It just seems so, and I never thought of this until I had a newborn, you know. Um, why are we making, why are we forcing, I ran into a young woman, maybe this anecdote will explain, but I ran into a young woman at Auntie Anne's Pretzel in the mall. Uh -huh. And I had my son with me because we were going for a walk and it was raining outside or something. So we went to the mall and... Um, she was like, oh my gosh, how old's your son? And I was, you know, six months or whatever he was at the time. And she said, oh, I have a three-week-old. And I'm like, what are you doing oh, here? Yeah. You know, and she's like, I have to work. You know, yeah. and I'm like, three weeks old? What is, what's your three-week-old doing, you know? Maybe it was three months because he was in daycare. It was probably, gotcha. probably three months. Um, but still. But still, I was like, like you're, you have a three-month-old. And you're at work away from your three-month-old so you can afford to pay someone else to be with your three-month-old. Yeah. And it just broke my heart. Yeah. You know? And that's something, too. Like, the, I'm sure there's a lot of great daycares out there. But sure. there's a lot of bad ones, too. And it's not and your it's mom. And it's expensive. Yeah. It's and incredibly it's like expensive. Just the amount of... I just feel like you've heard there's, like, loads of horror stories of... Sure. Different daycares and things. Trusting and like, anyone else with your child. And that's my point is yeah. it puts everything into perspective. It really does, at least for me in my experience. Yeah. I don't care about being a, in a popular band that much. Right. You know, I don't care about all these other things that because my most important job is to be a good parent. Yeah. You know, and, and if I do that well, I can fail at the other stuff. It'll be a bummer. But, right. But it's you know. also like that's kind of the cool thing, too, is. Like, your son's going to be 18, mm -hmm. and that's, I don't know, it's nice to have that sort of, like, 
cutoff point in a way yeah, of that's like, true i do you know like about that fail- <laughs> yeah i like, just don't want to wake up at 6 50 anymore you know right i'm a night owl and so that i feel that yeah but, but it's also like i mean good on you for well, realizing what's important you know i don't have a choice you know yeah i know but even though you don't have a choice like you, you still could be a deadbeat dad if you want you know yeah that's true i wonder where the instinct you know ends and the choice begins i'm, I'm really curious about uh, that. yeah the genetic you know just the the genetics um, yeah just because i didn't grow up with my father around right and so i never just as a son not as a father i never knew what that would feel like mm-hmm. you know and so now that i have my own kid i can sort of reassess and be like you know as far as I can, you know, I mean, we're different people. So right. his experience is, of course, going to be different and his perspective will be different. But but there, you, there's something to be said about just the presence alone. Oh, absolutely. Right? On a like, cellular level. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you're just to. Mm-hmm. This is exactly what I'm probably going to talk to my therapist about in a couple <laughs> hours. Is, oh, great. Yeah. So we're just getting getting started. Just a little prelude to therapy. That's yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Man. Well, we've been talking for about 50 minutes, so let's take a quick break. Cool. And then if we still got some time, we'll come back and talk a little longer. Right Awesome. Ladies and gentlemen, don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. It's the second hour now, and this is broadcast number 286. And I'm here again with Travis Bufkin. Travis, what's the D stand for in DT? Donald. Donald, is that your real name? Or first name? It's, yeah, uh-huh. So it's your middle name is Travis name. and you go by Travis? I do, yeah. When was the last time you spoke to your dad? Or is he still alive? He's alive. Uh, maybe a month ago. Okay. Has he met your son? He has. One, one, one or two times he's been down to see him. He's he still lives li- in Idaho. Oh, he's in Idaho now. Mm-hmm. Wow. Where? Pay it. Huh. I don't know where that is, but I know Coeur d'Alene. I don't know where that is. Have you been to Idaho yet? I have. Okay. Yeah, I've been to Idaho. Have you had a huckleberry? One time, no. I have no idea. Is that a berry? It's a berry up oh, in yeah. that part of the country. No, when we went, it was snowing. It was beautiful. Oh, yeah. Idaho's a beautiful state. It is. I'm sure Iowa is just as beautiful. Eh, it's beautiful in a different way. I'm really keen on mountains, mm-hmm. Idaho and Idaho has actually has those. Yeah. Iowa does not have mountains. Mm-hmm. It's at like 500 feet sea level. Mm-hmm. And the town I was in in Colorado was at 8,000 something. And so I just, yeah, I don't I'm. I'm much more into those higher elevations, right just because I and like the forests and stuff, man. Mm-hmm. And there's something about snow-capped mountains that I like being reminded of my smallness. I'd rather be reminded of my smallness by a mountain range mm-hmm. than a skyscraper. Field. Oh, okay, gotcha. Yeah, or a skyscraper. Yeah, but no, I, I bet. Yeah, yeah, totally. But I, yeah, that's the tricky. Th- Do you? Do you always want to live in a city, you feel? That's a great question. Um, I think about that a lot because my wife wants to just leave all the time. Leave 
San Antonio, leave the United States. Just she just wants to oh, leave yeah. all the time, and she's a very she can be a very solitary person, and it's not a problem for her. She has her work, and you right. know. I'm more social, I think. Uh, I have a necessity to be more social. Yeah. Um, and so, I don't know. I don't know. I feel torn in that way, too, because I'm very extroverted and, like, I need people around. Right. And that was one of the things I, I was, like, because I was living in Oskaloosa for 2017, the whole year, the first year the show started, and it was great, but I like went through a breakup and my dog died and I was just like very sad and tired of being in the same place I went to high school. Mm-hmm. And so I loved, like when I first graduated high school, I moved to Sarasota, Florida. Mm-hmm. And that was so fun just to have a variety of people again, right. you know, and like from everywhere. Yeah. And I appreciate small town living. Mm-hmm. But I really love strangers, you know, and you kind of run out of strangers in a small town. Yeah. And so, I don't know. I feel torn in the same way where I can appreciate a, like, quiet life away from the city. But I do, I do have such a hunger to, like, meet a new person every week. I think, (laughs) I think we could migrate. That would be ideal, you know, as if we spent six months out of the year tucked away somewhere and yeah. then six months we came back and man I would like to do that this summer has made me really entertain the idea of finding a summer home somewhere else yeah because absolutely I'm so tired of being hot right or if you could switch you know if you had somebody who has a place somewhere right just like house swap yes for some sick reason they they wanted to be in this they want to spend yeah. the winters in a terrible tundra and then they want to spend their summers in a hellscape that is yeah know, texas yeah i i like the idea too of like living in a different place like every quarter of the year yes. you know yeah but i i love to travel too and like Life on the road. When we're billionaires, we'll, we'll, when right. we're all billionaires, we'll all get to do it. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's what is coming, right? That's well. I when mean, all the when all the billionaire billionaires go to space, right? Yeah. And all of us, you know, mediocre billionaires are still down here. <laughs> right. Then we'll really get to utilize the yeah, space we have. <laughs> absolutely. They just, you know. Do you have any desire to go to space? No. Me neither. Really. I don't I, care. Like I think, if I ever did it, I would prefer like a. Maybe like a, a week-long trip, but I wouldn't need more than... I mean, really a day. I could do a day in space and be set for the rest of my life because yeah. I, I love Earth. It's great down here. It's been good so far in yeah. some... You know, I mean... There's room for improvement, sure, but I yeah, mean, we got I, mountains. <laughs> you know, I don't know. I'm oxygen. Reading, I'm reading a book called Parable of the Sower. Uh. by Octavia Butler that's about a young woman who is kind of making up her own religion. It's actually really apropos of this conversation. And uh, her religion is called Earth Seed because the United States specifically, she doesn't mention the world, is, well, the world, is being destroyed by climate change and things like that. This was written in like the 90s, early 90s, and she's projecting it to like two or three years from now. Oh, wow. But it's just, uh, um, 
it's really rough, you know, like there's modern slavery and uh. people just roam the streets killing each other, et cetera. So very lawless. Um, kind of like dystopian. Yes. It's gotcha. you know, science fiction. And so sort of, and so she creates this new religion that is about, uh, God is change is like the first tenet of the religion. But then following that, she's like, our job is to find another place to live because we've left earth. Oh, wow. And so I have trouble with that idea. You know, um, it feels... It feels sort of like giving up to be, you know? It does. Like this planet is totally inhabitable. We just need to get our act straight. And that's, of course, easier said than done. But, and we're saying that as we, you know, dip right off the edge into the crater of whatever, self-destruction. But, yeah, to me it feels a little... It's, I think there's premature. still, yeah, you know, like I, I can respect like lofty goals and dreams and yeah. Elon Musk wanted to like inhabitate Mars and stuff, mm-hmm. but it's so like, I don't know. It just feels like there's so much more that could be done here yes, before I, needing to even entertain the idea I of agree. like it planetary migration. Yeah. yeah. It feels like a... If we're even going to call it philanthropy, it feels like a misplaced philanthropy, I think. Yeah. I get the idea because I have a buddy who's like, no, the future's out there, man. We need to make the moves. Let's just do it now. We can do it now. But let's get real with the structures in place. Like, come on. I mean, come on. there's a lot. <laughs> there's so many different factors to yeah, all that. Right. And But if you're the richest man in the world, you get to play these games. Right. Know? And then we all get to have podcasts where we gripe about it <laughs> right or tweet about it mm-hmm. yeah, yeah are you gonna, on twitter uh no i was for a little while i had to get one years ago for the job i had uh and then i like tried to keep it up a little bit for the band and that's hard like such a chore and so now yeah. i just it's not social it's media in general just it gets to feel more like a burden than a gift in a lot of ways absolutely i'm so grateful that i've been able to like connect with people in other places you know and like make friendships with folks just by mutual friends or you know interests and things because like i have a friend in this friend rupa in australia we've been pen pals for like two years just because we have like mutual belief systems and can connect and we like to talk about things like contemplation and like spiritual ideas and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And we both love to travel. And then my buddy, like in Indianapolis, who his name's Adam and he's like a pastor there and was an artist as well. But I just met him, uh, back in June or yeah, no, it was when I went to Detroit I saw I stopped in Indianapolis on the way and it like got to stay on his couch and have dinner with his wife and daughter and him and he like built me a ramp out of scrap wood that he found so I could get into the house easy and it felt like we were redeeming Instagram mm-hmm. because like mm-hmm. that's where we met sure you know yeah and so I very much appreciate that aspect of social media and stuff but I hate the like business aspect or like trying to yeah. Stay on top of it and make sure you get all the right hashtags or I whatever. Know, like, I know. It hurts. It it's, hurts very much. Yeah. I just, I can't, I can't do it anymore. Yeah. You uh, know, 
that's, you know. Good for you. I know. You know? I, I got out. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm, you know, I went clear. <laughs> or I guess, you know, whatever they do when they they defect. You know? Right. But, um, yeah, it breaks my heart, you know. it. Uh, I just can't. I can't get another email from ASCAP or Spotify that's like, how to make your song go viral. Yeah. It just, it hurts so bad. Yeah. You know, I just. <laughs> and so I can't play the game. And I keep bringing up Jared Morris, but. Jared's a great guy. five years older than me, I think. And, of course, we're in the Texases together. And I've yeah. always kind of watched his steps because he's always had bands and I've always had bands. And, you know, so when they got on CMJ, I was like, that's radical. Of course, I was super jealous. But um, when Jared released um, Golden Stare, Meet You There, uh-huh. the El Campo record, yeah. that, I hope he doesn't mind me saying this, is a lot about him being diagnosed with cancer and almost mm. dying. Uh, it was such a masterpiece. It's like this magnum opus for me. Yeah. I, I haven't listened to it in a while, but when I do, I just It's fall. beautiful, man. It's so good. I, I'll, I'll probably listen to it after this. Um, it's so good. And he seemed to care so little about how well it would do or did. It was really inspiring to me. Yeah. Because I was like, man, there's a guy that, you know, as cliche as it sounds, is on death's door and then really sees what's important and then creates this incredible piece of artwork that requires some listens, you know, which to me is is the better art. Right. Um, because if you can give them that time, it's going to get you, you know. Um, yeah. If you're susceptible to that kind of music, you know. Um, but it was just so good you know and uh that it made me much more comfortable with just creating good art and kind of releasing it to the universe and because when i write music i write for my heroes you know like i'm like oh i'm gonna write a merle haggard song you Uh, know yeah and or roy orbison song or whoever lou reed or whatever and so i always have wanted i think it's a father thing Uh. absentee father thing but i've always wanted that acceptance you know I've always like if I just got a letter from Merle Haggard or one of these people that said hey that's a great song or if they ever covered it you know then I would have known like okay I'm I'm good that's all I need so that's what I've always looked for in music is acceptance you know sort of fulfillment in that way yeah totally and uh, and so coming to terms with that Mm. has taken a long time and so then when Jared released this incredible piece of art and it didn't do anything. He didn't support it, really. He wasn't trying, you know? He wasn't. And to just know it's just out there in the ether and, like, maybe 16 people listen to it a month or whatever it is on Spotify made me so much more comfortable with just making art that the universe can enjoy, maybe. Right. Or... Just for the sake of, like, a good piece of work being out there. And I know that it's the best I could do. And yeah. in that... Maybe my heroes know, you know, in the hopes that I'll eventually be at a place where it doesn't matter to me, you know, what uh-huh. they would have felt or whatever. Uh, and I'm slowly getting there. But, you know, with the idea that if, if Merle Haggard sat down and with the same muses wrestled and tr- got to this certain place, that I can do the same thing in our um, uh, our patterns or our... Um, 
What's methods? The yeah, being the same and honoring the same idea or the same process. Yeah. Um, that's enough. Right. Um, yeah, I get what you're saying because I think it is inspiring when you see sort of a – it's not necessarily carelessness, but it's like a – it's not needing the additional – Flair or like yeah the, the acclaim the name yeah sake or whatever of letting just the fame aspect you know there's yes. such this obsession fame. with fame absolutely and I think just with like TikTok and all these social media things it's stoked that fire even more in the masses I think you're absolutely you know right. where everybody is just like I just got to get this one viral thing and then I'll yes. be good I'll be good I'll be good yes. and it's like yes. that's not gonna satisfy you in that's reality right. you know. Well, and I think when you can come, the earlier you can come to terms with that, it it's like the more enjoyable your life will be, and the easier it'll be to practice contentment. You know, realizing like Absolutely. it's okay. You know, I can put like I recorded a record when I was twenty one, and I got to do it with some guys that were in my favorite band in at their studio in Cincinnati, and they were super sweet and nice and like cut me a nice deal where I didn't have to pay a ton of money I, I think they did it for like 500 bucks which is insane it's a 10 song record and just yeah. like simple tracks you know and most of like a lot of them I had written in high school mm -hmm. and but it was just like three years after I had gotten paralyzed mm -hmm. and it was always something that I wanted to do where I I wasn't expecting like to put a record out and then be, you know, yes. like a tubering musician. Yeah. But it was more for kind of my own thing of like, no, I just want to, like, I want to write a record. I want to produce and record and put out a record, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think like Brandon, who also plays in the Texas, and I admire the heck out of him for how much he's done it on his own, you know? He's young and he's hungry. Yeah. And he's like... He's done such a good job of like continuing to write and really yeah. like making it a job. Absolutely. Where for me, I've always been interested in so much stuff that it was more like I kind of almost wanted to like check it off the list, like a bucket list in a sure, kind of way sure. of like, yeah. I just want to put out a record someday, Absolutely, you know? Absolutely, yeah. And I'd love to record more music and put more records out eventually, mm -hmm. but I'm not in a huge hurry and I'm not like stressed about it or needing to become a full-time musician I needed in that. order to I do that. I needed that uh, affirmation. Ah, uh, yeah. That was a thing. It wasn't a bucket list thing for me. Yeah. You know. It was more deeper probably. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that's, I mean... And it's probably one of the best gifts that I didn't get it, you know? Right. Yeah, because it's stirred it up in you even more probably, right? Or like... No, because you... it made me come to terms with whatever failure actually is uh, defining failure right and now i have such a great and again this a lot of that could be attributed to jared jared's experience and i hope that this doesn't feel like a backhanded compliment you know that i'm like jared's a failure and so no. he showed me how <laughs> but no. but just when he created that record and it was so good and he didn't care about yeah anybody seeing it real you know he did he didn't promote it like a 25 year old might you know what i mean right. or me as myself as a 25 year old would have or himself as a 25 year old would have yeah which is fine you have different 
priorities and 25 year olds should be doing that you know yeah it's nothing like that and brandon is a young guy and so right. brandon's supposed to be doing that you yeah know? it makes sense yeah um it was just hard on me when i wasn't 25 anymore and it didn't happen yet right it like it still bitter. felt like something yeah you needed to i was very bitter but then my son was born ah uh, god and, bless you know so now i'm it was it was Great timing. That's so... I think that's... That's something too, man, where like... Just bitterness mm -hmm. is so prevalent today, mm -hmm. it seems. Oh, yeah. You know? Where people are like... To be upset and angry about something is encouraged in so many people. And then like... They're made to fester on it. You know? Like, don't you let go of that. Don't you forget that hurtful thing. Or don't purpose. you... Yeah, but it's like, what a painful purpose oh, in hurts. a lot of ways, you it, know? Yeah, oh, absolutely. I, I was such a hater, uh, you know, because I thought I was good, you know? And I'm like, I can do that. You know? Right. I and can do that. Did Why it feel I... like you were constantly, like, comparing yourself? Always. Yeah. Of course. Um, but that with that, that's also because I had an appreciation and because I've seen great art. Right. And so, and I feel like I have a, I have a good barometer for what to me is great. And in music, sometimes it is quantitative, you know, right. it's not just, oh, he, they sound nice. It's like, no, that's a no, hot that's like, band or whatever you can tell, it is. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so I felt like, oh, I can do that, you yeah. know? And then when nobody else was like, yeah, you can do it. You know, I just felt very uh, bitter. Yeah. But, but no, yeah. that's something I feel like there's a. There's a lack of encouragement in that way of just like... I think that's probably a good thing. You think so? Yeah, don't encourage an artist because then what, why are they making their art? Well, I guess I mean for like in your way where you felt bitter uh -huh. because no one... Oh, to was encourage like the bitterness? It. No, not necessarily to encourage the bitterness, but to encourage like the goodness that is already there and still like... Mm -hmm. remember the room for growth and improvement, mm -hmm. you know, but while celebrating, you've come so far. You're like, you're doing good things, you know, like you're making good art, but don't get lazy and trapped in that as just like, oh, okay, well then, yeah, I guess I can just stay like this forever. But rather, sure. I think it's better to, rather than be motivated by like bitterness or comparison, Yeah, I would, I want people to be motivated by like, yeah, there are people that appreciate this and enjoy this, you know? But I think people are slow to tell people they appreciate something or, like, you, slow to promote the goodness in others, kind of. I think that that's a great point. I think also in the music world, we, in human nature in general, we have such a tendency to make messiahs out of people. Oh, yeah. Um when we do respect them, you know, when they, when they can get into us and they really can reach in and we're like, Oh geez, we just, you know, canonize them. We just love them so yeah. much. I mean, um, which can be really bad for a person. Yes. Yeah. I, I mean, it can be bad for them and it's bad for like Bob Dylan is a great example. I always right. bring up Dylan, but like, you know, I mean, Bob Dylan steals melodies all the time, which is fine because that's the tradition he comes from. And right. he, he's said that in many places and many times. But he's still, for like the middle-aged white academic, you know, like 
the end-all be-all for the baby boomer generation. He's just the greatest living songwriter. Like, yeah, maybe to you, but come on, now. right? Come on, gotta understand. Come on, a lot of it is preference, right? You know? I mean, yeah. that, and and for an academic or academics to say things as empirical as that is just right. so. Yeah, where it's just like because his name has been said so much. Exactly. Now he's the one. That if We've you want to seem like being, you yeah. know what you're talking about, right. you got to say Dylan's your favorite. Right. You know, right. and it's like, absolutely, what a way to rob him of mm-hmm. his true goodness, you know, like true beauty and talent. Oh, yeah. And he and said then, that from the beginning, you know, when they called him Judas, right. you know, which is just such, that to me in the Bob Dylan canon or the oeuvre or whatever of instances, you yeah. know, where when he went Christian and all these things where he said to have betrayed his fans... I think the instant, do you know what I'm referring to? Where, yeah. Okay. When someone shouts out to this like 23-year-old kid, Judas, because he starts playing an electric guitar, <laughs> is such a wonderful metaphor for what I'm talking about. Yeah. Just the way that we canonize well, we just people att- with some We ability. love attaching stuff to people. We attach ourselves. Yeah. You know, with our identity. That, and that a lot of that's capitalism as we define ourselves based on what we can purchase or what we... Right. You know, the music that we listen to, the T-shirts that we buy that say the bands we like. Right. You know, uh, all that stuff. What kind of water I drink, you know. Do I buy Fiji water? Yeah. Do I buy Evian? It's so wild, man. It's, yeah. I think so much of it does just come down to identity and these things that, like, we just start to believe, okay, if you're this way, you have to do this thing or, like, You've got to fit into all of these little parameters that we make it. That. And and now I think we do it unintentionally a lot of times. I think so. I, but I'm, yeah. to notice it is like the first step to be like, okay, yeah, no, I want to be my own person. You know. The other day, I, my wife and I were listening. Oh, Dave Chappelle. Oh yeah. Dave Chappelle released a new, uh, a different one than the Netflix one that got him. Yes, so it's a haters. new one. So it's his his old school, the Duke Ellington School of the Arts in D.C. Oh, wanted yeah. to rename their uh, theater, I believe, after him as the Dave Chappelle Theater. Wow. And he said, no, I want you to name it like the free... I, I'm going to screw it up, but the free speech arts theater or something like that, uh, you know, cool. making his point, right? And, uh, and then he said, May, maybe later on we can revisit it and then maybe you can name it the Dave Chappelle Theater or whatever, but... The point being, I was watching his new stand-up, and my wife said, um, she's a very great thinker, so I hope that I'm not being too uh, like shallow or obtuse by saying that this, you know, this was, is not a perfect synopsis of who she is, but she said, didn't we cancel him, <laughs> you know? Right. And I went on this tirade, you know, where I was like, basically... I don't ever want anybody to tell me what kind of art I can ingest. Yeah. That being said, I understand the arguments against people that say transphobic or hateful or, or, or in Dave Chappelle's case, say, this is why I feel this way. You know, I'm explaining to you why I feel this way. And then it gets used or it, you know, someone's expressing their ambivalence or their, you know, towards something and then we crucify them for their honesty. Yeah. Especially when you start telling me again what kind of art I can imbibe, you know? Um, yeah. I don't like that. 
No, me neither. You know, and and to see what we call, I don't want to put too fine a point on it, but to see what we call, or to see the people that have for so long advocated um, honesty, you know, uh, a lack of censorship, you know, yeah. um, an ability to say what's real, to be real. Yeah. It's a very fine line. You know, I understand both sides totally. Um, in Dave Chappelle's case, you know, um, not, yeah. and not in these other specific physical cases of people, you know, assaulting other people, but just in terms of language. And I know language can be violence as well. Um, I Yeah, I have a, a tricky time with that idea. I mean, mostly I mean language can be of, violence is like what it can stoke in others right. to make them think or do. Well, and also... But, the whole sticks and stones may hurt my bones, but that's right. not words, true. Yeah, no, words, words can hurt. Words can haunt you forever. If your parent Absolutely. tells you, I don't love you, come yeah. on, get over that. No, that's that. going to stick with you. Right. Um, but just in terms of what I imbibe, you know? Yeah. Uh, I don't mean what Dave Chappelle says. That's up. That's between Dave Chappelle and, and his God or his right. children or whatever. he You know, what his morality or whatever. Um But just being told, but me, you can't have this anymore because... Being told, I can't... I can't listen to this or I can't ingest this or I can't interact with this or engage with this because we want to punish that person. I can understand wanting to punish the person, but just don't censor things to me. Please. Yeah. I'm an adult. I, you know, you know me. Let me listen to it and decide. Right. And you know me. You know yeah. what I am. I'm the measure of a human is not the art they consume, is it? Right. Is Man, it, I hope not. Is it, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. where do we draw that distinction? Yeah. I, mean, I don't think it's up to us to decide, but anyway. But I think it's important to talk about that because there, there is just, there seems to be this sort of, I don't know, battle of ideas yeah. today where the censorship idea to me seems so obviously wrong, mm-hmm. you know, like... I want to be offended. I mean, I want uh-huh. Uh-huh. to have the capacity, or I want others to have the capacity to say things that would naturally be offensive, you know, or like right. could easily be construed by me as something offensive. Yes. Because then that falls on me on what am I going to let offend me? Sure. And like, why am I letting that person have power over me? Which we do not way? always control, though. Again, to go back to the yeah. point, we, we can't control, you know, I mean... I guess I'm just thinking more like, I think we've spent so much more time on trying to regulate what others are saying, mm-hmm. rather than regulate our own reaction to it, I, you I know? I agree with that. Yeah. And it's okay to have a reaction, and it's uh-huh. okay to feel initially like, oh, yeah. I don't like that, you yeah. know? Yeah. But don't rob their freedom to sure. speak, you know? And like... I just think people need to be more aware of, like, it seems like you can't control it sometimes, but you can decide, like, I'm not going to let this offend me, you know, or like... I think the caveat has to be um, asserted that I'm also, like, a white male. Well, yeah. You know, like, heterosexual, cisgendered white male. Right. So there's so much we don't understand just by being... That. Right. Dave Chappelle. And, you know, I'm, I'm so far from being marginalized or, you know what I mean? In, totally. In classical terms that it's very easy for me to say, you know, but I, yeah, I just. Yeah, there's a whole perspective. I, I think your point is, is um, 
cogent about we maybe we should also work on how we react to things so that we can have a plethora of ideas and we can pick and choose. Yeah. Um, I also think platform is very important. And that goes back to our previous discussion about social media and all these things in modern technology and modern media. And just thinking of influence and things. Exactly. Like, which was why the Netflix um, protest or whatever made sense to me. Because I was like, yeah, here's a billion dollar corporation that is providing a platform for someone who is saying things that are stoking hate in some places. I get he's asking relevant questions for him and a lot of people may have these questions and maybe he'll help usher them to a place that they should go, whatever, right. wherever that is. But um, like canceling, um, canceling celebrities to me, like when people begrudge that or, or bemoan that whole thing, that d- never bothers me at all because you just got your celebrity citizenship revoked. Like you're still going to be very famous. You'll yeah. probably still be wealthy. And it's forever. like any publicity is BFD, good publicity. Man. Like yeah. it's just not welcome back to the real world. <laughs> right. It's not a problem. It's not a big deal. Yeah. That you know you tweeted. And if you need to go, like hide away for a little while. Right. Take some time. Some things. Yeah. Or don't like, do whatever you want. But like you're still Kevin Hart. You know. You're yeah. still Louis C.K. Like. Yeah. You're a human. You know, exactly. I mean, you just don't necessarily get to get your next. You just Netflix won't have the same special. platform as you yeah. did, right? Comedy Central dropped your fifty million dollar contract. Boo hoo, man! Boo hoo! <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> right? Your your daughters are going to be all right. Go be a good dad. Yeah, seriously. You know, I just don't feel bad for you. Right. You know, and I get it. I get the greater, the larger discussion of again, what do we need to? Yeah. But as far as you know, you had a lot of time to make a lot of money and say a lot of things. Good for you. Yeah, and. There's always, some, there's just so many things fighting for everybody's attention all the time. Yeah, and I think the thing with the Dave Chappelle stuff that bothered me was mm-hmm. how many people seemed to hop on the cancel train yeah. without even watching the special, mm-hmm. you know, but more so just by seeing that it was a news story now and something that they needed to be upset about. They're gonna join the crowd and be upset about it. And yes. that, to me, just re- I don't like that because yeah. I think people should think for themselves and like actually see what he said or listen to what sure. he said. And if you do feel that 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 was hurtful and wrong, go to go to a protest. You know, like do yeah. your thing, but don't just hop onto the bandwagon for the sake of making sure you your friends and everybody around you knows. Oh yeah, cancel him. Cancel well, that that's guy. again like, we're we're defining our identities based on the zeitgeist, story, right? You know, yeah. I mean, I think also the Dave Chappelle thing was a great distraction. I don't know why we do it. I don't know how much of it is media driven, but we didn't debate what he was actually saying. We didn't uh-uh. debate transphobia or the way it manifests. No, it or didn't make any. Dave Chappelle's point about feeling like gay rights have jumped in front of the line, in front of African American <laughs> rights, you right? Know? Um, well, that. We didn't really discuss that. I mean, some some incredible thinkers did. You know, uh, I don't remember who I read. It was probably like W. Kamau Bell or somebody uh-huh. like that who who had a statement. I know I read a queer writer um, who was African American who had a great piece that really made me feel like, yeah, don't give 
Dave Chappelle platform if right now he's going to say these sort of ambiguous things right. or things that can be misconstrued because of the direct correlation with, or I shouldn't say direct correlation, but because of a rising tide of, you know, anti-trans, anti-queer. Exactly. So, yeah. You know, like, is it a good time? Do we give Hitler a platform when, you know what I mean? Right. Um, and of course, that's a terrible... I know you're not comparing Dave Chappelle to Hitler. Yeah, absolutely not. But um, it's the easiest one to use in exactly. that. I, give, it's, I it was understand the reference. You see what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. You know, do we... The beer hall push, you know? Right. Is that, was that Dave Chappelle's Netflix special? <laughs> but you know what I mean. Um, yeah. But I, we didn't debate. And maybe it's because we're tired and we like these performative debates, you know? Yeah. These, uh, well, I mean, just... Like, just in looking at America since 2016 and leading up to 2016 when Trump got elected, mm -hmm. like, it's just been so he's wild. He's a Christian man. <laughs> he's a God-fearing man. Uh, uh, what is that? I'm like, I was told I'm not supposed to talk about politics too much on the show because my idea is like, I really have such a hard time describing to either side, you mm -hmm. know, and I just didn't see, but hearing you say performative debate. Mm -hmm. And like, in just thinking of the media and distraction, yeah. it feels like our whole political system has become this like reality TV show yeah. where we're just constantly trying to yeah. stoke the fires of like anger Indignity. and like, yeah. man, like America to the rest of the world is looking like such a angry, just like oh my gosh, people are getting attacked and killed and all these things are happening. And you've, mm -hmm, like, mm -hmm, it's the mm -hmm. last place you want to be if you're black and all this, like mm -hmm. all of that idea. And I am so fortunate that I've been able to actually like travel around the country and yeah. meet people in pretty much every single state. Yeah. And I, it gives me so much peace yeah. to know that like, wow, the average person here is actually just doing their thing, going like but they're not of these hate-filled sure. bigots necessarily. If you can get past it, if they will allow you in, and for guys like you and me, we have a pass for a lot of those people. For sure, you know we get that pass where and a wheelchair helps. I I bet it does. <laughs> you know to incite some people's pity, which is going to manifest as like or not you know not no. necessarily, but for some but people, in a lot of ways, you know, yeah, yeah. Um, I think so. Uh, I, when I was listening to you and Jared talk about that, and he, he makes that point, you know, he says, yeah, for you and me, one, we come from these people, right. you know, in the sense of middle America or, you know, I'm from South Carolina. And so when I go back around those people, I had, I had folks in Alabama, my accent will start to come out, <laughs> and uh, which I try really hard to downplay around my wife. But, <laughs> but when I take her, she's not white. When I take her to Alabama, she doesn't feel so welcome. You uh, know what I mean? When my grandparents drop the N-word around her, uh, not in a hateful way, but in a... Just in like a casual... In a joking, they usually do it. would do it in jokes. Yeah. Um, and not even directed at African-Americans, but using that word as a just thing. Just broadly, yeah. Uh, how could she feel? How could I didn't feel? I don't feel comfortable. You know, I can see and I can see these people, and I can see I can speculate at maybe what they're trying to do, uh, or maybe they're not even aware. Well, and a lot of it too, just having older parents, like baby boomer parents. Yeah, I know that they 
know that I've got, I mean, in my family, I'm the most like left leaning as far as ideology and stuff. Mm -hmm. And so, and they, I just have loads of liberal friends, you Mm -hmm. know? And so they'll say things like my dad will say things just to kind of like trip a trigger or something, just to like try and get a reaction being like a joking dad, you know? Yeah. And I don't care about that so much, but like, I know some friends that if I had them with me, they would feel like, who the heck is this guy? Like, would he, would he be like, I'm just messing with you? Pretty much. But like, he's like, oh, I'm just joking. You know, like I'm playing around. It's a privilege for him. Right. You know, he gets to be able to to do that. Yes. And I think that that's the thing where you need to know your audience, obviously, and you you shouldn't say certain things you know, would if we were to reverse the roles, and if you brought around a friend of yours who was black, you know, and w- and met your dad, and made a joke about, and not something like, oh, sixty-year-old white guys sure can't dance, right? But, but something, something that more was like political, cutting kind of, yeah. yeah, something you know, just. I think my dad would be. It would I be mean, uncomfortable. I, it would be uncomfortable to a degree, but also. Like, I do feel that my dad... Is, my I'm grateful that my parents aren't, like, racist bigots, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but I... I guess, yeah, I don't, I don't think he would feel in a way towards them of, like, oh, uh, I don't want to be around him anymore, you I mean, know? it's a false equivalency. I shouldn't... Even but I get, what you, I get what you mean, though. Was, but you see it's a still, saying. like... It's just the uncomfortability of it. Yeah. And, like, even a joking... Old white guy, mm-hmm. like it's not a free pass, dude. Right, you know? like to be comfortable, to to be so oblivious as to you may be making someone else uncomfortable, but you're oblivious to it, or because my dad is is that way, um, or you want to get a rise out of them, you're trying to troll them is just such a, you know, it it's just it feels it feels like a sort of feels ugly. Yeah, like You're a malicious teasing that. kind of. And you I know? know that they don't mean it that way. Right. My dad, when he does stuff like that, is not trying to get... He's not trying to hurt anybody. He's actually... I think he's trying to engage you, and he's yeah. trying to actually probably be close, closer with right. you. Right. A lot of... T- and that's something, too, like in thinking of like the barbershop talk in uh-huh. that Gran Torino movie or whatever. Yeah. Where like dudes yeah. talk trash to each other. You know? Like yeah. it's, it's what buddies do. Right. right. And... Right. I do think that's such an interesting thing to think about because, mm-hmm. like, my dad would do that with me sometimes, and I would know he's joking. You know, You're like, we're buddy. just playing around. Yeah, like, we're having fun. Yeah. But my mom would hear it and be mm-hmm. like, uh, like, why'd you say that? Don't say yeah. that. And, yeah. and he'd be like, oh, we're just playing. You know, it's like, it's just guy talk or whatever. Like, right. It's just locker room talk. Yeah, right. But, uh, that's, well, that's so, like, yeah. I'm so glad my dad was not that way like <laughs> you got to make your buddy first before you can start throwing crazy stuff around you know right you have to show who well, you are you know and that's what I, like i love it when i can see a guy that i don't know that well but i know him well enough that i can say something like rude you know like when yeah. you first hear it it would be like oh my gosh that sounds rude yeah but it's like nah dude you yeah. know i'm just playing around like yeah 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 totally it's it's so interesting. It is. There's a switch where it becomes a bonding mechanism rather than a, you know. Right. It's not like a pushing away, but right. a, a rather like, ah, I want to know you better. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. 
And I think that's what a lot of the negative reaction from that generation, you know, our parents' generation is, is probably subconsciously, they're like, I actually want to get to know you. And so I'm just busting your chops. Yeah. You know, that's how I do it is I bust your chops, you know? Right. And if you can't take that, what kind of person even are you? I don't even know if I want to know you. You're so sensitive. You know what I mean? It's like, well, yeah, some people are sensitive because... They don't know you yet. They don't know that they can trust you. There's not that exactly. trust here. You yeah. don't fear them. You know what I mean? Or you might, but you don't, you feel comfortable enough to needle them. Yeah. You know, which. It's, man, it's so interesting to think about because, and I love thinking about just language in the way. Yes. Like, and tone, mm-hmm. you know, how much can yes. be interpreted by yes. just the tone of something. Right. Because, yeah. That's where the, it seems like that's where the systemic racism discussion has kind of uh, stalled yeah. is that nobody from what I've heard or whatever has really broken down how these things can play out, you know, in a lot of its tone. It's not, you know, because a lot of people will say, well, I never say the N word or I never, you know what I mean? I don't hate right. immigrants, you know what I mean? So I'm not racist or there's no such thing as systemic racism, you know, but yeah, you it's know. so much. There's, I mean, there's so many subtleties. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And, and it goes all kinds of ways. You know? Right. Yeah. Not even just ways. racism, but like... Right. And that... Yeah, I don't know. I've seen a lot of people in wheelchairs online that mm-hmm. are like disabled influencers. And it seems that their platforms are so often built on just constantly stating how they live in a world that was not made for them. Okay. You know, and like... How hard it is to be in a gotcha. wheelchair or uh-huh. different things like that. Yeah. And I I really do get where they're coming from, sure. <laughs> being a guy in a wheelchair. But I have found I don't ever want that to be my primary objective yeah. because that makes it harder for me to connect with a walking person uh-huh. or like an able-bodied person. Yeah. And I don't want that to be harder for me. Yeah. Like... And I don't want my not addressing it to make me less connected to other disabled people, yeah. you know, but I want to, I would rather live, like if I'm in a situation where, oh, I can't get into this place, I love how generous and kind humanity is. All I have to do is ask. Like there's always somebody willing to help me. Yeah. And I think a lot of, a lot of disabled people have a hard time with that because why should I even need to ask? Sure. You know, like, why is this like this? And it's like, yeah. man, history, like, it's mm-hmm. a, if we got paralyzed 50 years ago, we'd be dead probably, yeah, you know, yeah. like just because of medical improvements. Right. And so I want to first be excited about being alive and then secondly, figure out ways to adapt without being upset yeah. that the world is still improving, you right. know, albeit sure. slow. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I just, I get so tired of the the angry rhetoric yeah. and the, like, just the haters. Everybody's like, it's so popular to be a hater. But there's a lot of righteous anger. You right. Know, I, that, and I don't want to downplay right. righteous anger because I do think there needs to be things done and addressed and whatnot. Yeah. And there's certainly room for change. Yeah. But I... And so, yeah, there's this, like, fine balance, I think, of 
I think celebrating how far we've come and realizing there's still a long way to go. Sure. Yeah. Man. Well, we've been talking for about 46 minutes here. Oh, and it's 12. Cool. You got to go. No? Okay. Oh, yeah, well, I do. I got to go to go to lunch. Right on. Well, where can everybody listen to your music? Oh, it's Travis. on Spotify and all those band kinds camp. of things. Yeah, I think it's on Bandcamp. Uh, Pinky Ring is my new crew. Yeah. D.T. Uh, Buffkin's old. Is old school. Have you put out a Pinky Ring record yet? Just a single? Yeah, just yeah. a single. Yeah, I'm sitting on an EP that we'll put out sometime soon, I guess. Awesome. Well, I really can't thank you enough for doing this. I'm so glad we pleasure. got to sit down and talk for a while. Yeah. And... I hope you uh, you make it to Iowa someday. Yeah, me too. <laughs> On is your there, world tour. Yeah, is there like a Paris in Iowa? No. There's a Paris, Texas. I know. Yeah, there's a uh, there's a Knoxville. That'll work. Yeah. But go to Oscolers. <laughs> I will. <laughs> hey, thank you so much, man. My pleasure. Ladies and gentlemen, have a lovely Sunday. <laughs>